all of the way to early Big Ten football predictions are saying pretty much the same thing. So which Big Ten teams could actually shake things up and knock off one of those top squads? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're tuned into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every day of the week. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On, where every moment matters and you can make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into later on my personal rankings for the Big Ten players in the NBA draft. Going to give you my thoughts on what I believe is six or seven different players from top to bottom on where I personally rank them because there's a whole lot of variation in where the mock drafts have these guys going. But I want to start off today by talking about football and some of the predictions that we're getting from all sorts of different publications here around the country. We've talked about all sorts of different preseason analysis already looking ahead to the fall. We've talked about the ESPN FPI rankings. We've had all sorts of other different publications come out and give their particular rankings on where they think each Big Ten team is going to end up. And we had the USA Today do the same thing last week. But I noticed that when I was going into these things, I wanted to come out of it saying, okay, this publication has one thing and this one has another thing and we can take a look at all of that here on the show and actually break down which one is making more sense. But the problem is that just about everybody has the same thing. There's three teams at the top of the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. There's the teams that are going to compete for the West, Iowa, Wisconsin, whoever else ends up around there and what's going to be a wild West again. But it was pretty much every publication saying that exact same thing. So as I got ready today to put together what was going to be another segment pretty much just repeating that everybody thinks that those three teams are the best teams and everything else is pretty much lining up right now the same way. I instead thought, okay, let's take a little bit of a different route here on today's show. Get into not the teams that are at the top, but which teams do I actually believe could knock off one of those teams, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, or shake things up on the west side of the Big Ten too, and actually disrupt what goes on in the Big Ten this season. Because I'm not saying that all these analysts are wrong, of course. Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, along with Michigan and Penn State, in no particular order. Don't want to piss off any Michigan fans. But the point is, those are the three best teams. I could make more episodes with more of these way-too-early top 25s or way-too-early Big Ten rankings and just tell you the same thing that you already know, that these three teams probably are the best teams in the Big Ten and probably by a decent margin. However... That does not mean they can't lose on any given Saturday. And that is where I think is the most important thing going into this Big Ten season. And maybe the biggest thing that some people are overlooking here. Because we've had for the last two years, Michigan and Ohio State make it all the way to that final weekend undefeated and go on and play for essentially a Big Ten title in that case. But before that, it was fun to watch the upsets, of course. Michigan State beating Michigan. Uh, 
Purdue beating Ohio State, other teams beating Ohio State when Ohio State was at the top of the top and beating everybody. Those kind of upsets are the kind of things that now I think could really, really shake up the Big Ten in a way that it maybe didn't before. Because you've got three teams that are legitimately, legitimately good in Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. And I believe that one of them is going to have to lose a game to somebody other than each other. So who is actually in the driver's seat and making that happen? I got three teams on my list, actually four that we're going to mention, but three teams that I think are real, real actual possibilities here. The biggest of which is Minnesota and the P.J. Fleck team over there in Minneapolis. This Gopher team has just developed a sort of consistency that allows them to compete here. And on top of that, the thing that really makes me believe in Minnesota is the fact that they're going to have Chris Ottman-Bell coming back. Now, he's just one player. But P.J. Fleck has shown before that when he has an experienced receiver who has gotten used to his system in that system, the Gophers' offense can be really, really good. We saw it with Tyler Johnson a few years ago before he ended up going to the Buccaneers and winning a Super Bowl with Antoine Winfield Jr. We saw it with Rashad Bateman as he took over behind Tyler Johnson and then went to the Baltimore Ravens as a first-round pick. And now we're seeing it with Chris Ottman-Bell, who is going to be coming back for yet another season thanks to the COVID regulations. And with another year of experience under his belt, I believe that he's going to be the kind of anchor that can hold that passing game into a respectable level while Minnesota transfers over to the new quarterback in Ethan Kalliak Manis. Now, there's other holes for the Gophers to fill here, but I know that that defense is going to be solid for Minnesota, as it always is. And I believe that that offense can be legitimately good with a guy like Chris Ottman-Bell, a dynamic receiver out there leading the way, and helping his quarterback get acclimated to things. That's the kind of formula that can put together a week to beat a team. And we're not talking about best teams again here, outside of those top three right now. We're talking about which teams can put it all together on that one given Saturday and beat the best in the Big Ten. Because that's what really matters. When we talk about these power rankings before and you get past the top three teams into like four, five, six, yeah, they're good teams, but we're talking about teams who are going to be losing four or five games, pretty much no matter what. So that's not really going to affect the landscape of things overall in the Big Ten and in the country. But if you can knock off one of those top Big Ten teams, that's the stuff that has a real impact on a college football season. And the Minnesota Gophers have that kind of a talent, I believe, to be able to get that done. We've seen them upset teams before under P.J. Fleck, and I believe that this Minnesota team has the weaponry to be able to put it together and do it again against a team like an Ohio State or a Michigan this season. Over on the east side, it's weird to talk about another team outside of those top three being able to really make any sort of big movements, but I'm looking at the Maryland Terrapins. For the obvious reason, they've got Talia Tungvaloa coming back. He's going to be the most experienced quarterback that Maryland team has had in a very, very long time. And in my opinion, easily the top candidate in the East to knock off another one of those East teams. Maryland played Michigan close last season. Was able to work that into a one-score game late. Michigan maybe wasn't really, really in danger of losing it the later parts. But that's a team that can put up the points. And when you're talking about beating an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State, you're going to have to put up the points to keep up with them because there isn't a defense in the Big Ten that's going to be good enough to really, really contain any of those three offenses. And when I look across the Big Ten and I'm looking for an offense that can put up those kind of numbers, they're hard to find, but Maryland is one of those teams. 
So for a team that has to actually play all three of those teams in the East, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, I'm perfectly cap- I perfectly believe that they are capable of winning one of those games by, again, just getting everything to go right on that one Saturday you need it to. Next two teams I'm less confident in, but I do believe there's an avenue to being able to pull off an incredible win here. First off for the Purdue Boilermakers, uh, this is a long shot. Purdue is losing a lot from last season, including its head coach, a quarterback, leading receiver, and tight end, too. But it brings in, in the new coach out there in Ryan Walters, a defensive mind, which is something Purdue could definitely benefit from. And also Hudson Card, the transfer from Texas, has been really, really good, apparently, in this spring. Getting a lot of praise from media, coaches, teammates, all across the board about how good he's been, the kind of a leader he has been. All that good stuff. So if Purdue can be effective on offense and Purdue can be effective on defense now under Walters, I believe there's a possibility that all of the puzzle pieces fit together just absolutely perfectly and Purdue is able to upset one of these teams. Now, to be perfectly fair, and and when we're talking about the teams in the West, again, uh, Minnesota, Purdue, not going to be playing everybody, but I'm looking at it and also thinking about, okay, which teams in the West could knock off a Wisconsin or an Iowa who presume to be at the top of that division. And of course, that becomes just about anybody on any given Saturday. But these are the teams I'm talking about when it comes to the guys who could really shake up how the Big Ten East and West plays out, who aren't necessarily the Big Ten contenders. But back over to the side with that, onto the point at hand. I think Purdue, with a team that is able to rebuild quickly, can put together a couple of decent wins here. I don't think Purdue's going to be a good team. I do not think that. They're not going to go back to the Big Ten championship game. But, again, we're talking about the one week they got to be able to win it. And I think Purdue can do that. Partly because the pieces are there, I believe, and just need to be put together. But also partly because Purdue was able to do it last season while also not being too terribly great. I mean, on offense and defense, they ranked like mid-50s in the country as far as productivity goes. So it doesn't take that much for Purdue to actually be better than it was when it went to the Big Ten title game. And if it can actually find something here with the new coach, new quarterback, new a lot of stuff, it has a chance, I believe, to be able to compete with one of those squads again. But again, that's more of a long shot in my eyes. Not as much of a long shot, though, as the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who I will give a little bit of a shout-out to here right now. Nebraska is a team I know I don't want to believe in. I mean, we've been through this enough times already to know that Nebraska is not that team to put your money on. But I am still inclined to believe in Matt Rule. And he has done some interesting things in the transfer portal and recruiting at the start of his tenure to make me think that the rebuild is starting for this team. And uh, maybe I'm a couple of years early on this. I probably am a couple of years early on this with Nebraska actually being able to compete here. But that guy I know knows how to coach. And... Even though it's Nebraska, I am inclined to believe that he will have that team at least looking a little bit better, if not winning games, here this season. That's my thoughts on, at least again, who I think can disrupt in the Big Ten. We need some parity in this conference, and just about everybody who is predicting the next next fall season is saying that that parity will not come this year. And while I agree... It's not like any of those teams are going to actually surpass Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in the standings. They're just, uh, at the same time, 
the teams who could at least knock off one of those teams and make things interesting in the Big Ten. Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, rankings that have far less of a consensus, and that is the NBA draft prospect rankings. Mock drafts from across the board have Big Ten players going across the board all over the two rounds of the NBA draft that's upcoming. We'll break down at least my rankings of Big Ten players here in just a minute on Locked On Big Ten. Before we continue, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat-first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can be betting on all sorts of stuff, from the NBA playoffs, of course, to the NHL playoffs. The MLB season is in full swing. You can go ahead and bet on next year's national championship if you believe Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State can pull that off. You can bet on all of it at FanDuel Straight Lines. Money lines, player props, any of it is available for you over at FanDuel. And you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's continue on here on Locked On Big Ten. Heading over to the hardwood and talking NBA draft prospects. And this is the list that I was looking for when I was trying to find some parity in the Big Ten predictions for the football season. The NBA draft predictions are all over the place. And Big Ten players are being taken, in some cases, in the top ten and ranging all the way even to the second round with some of these guys. So there is really no consensus on what's going to happen here in the Big Ten. But... I have at least my rankings of who I believe should go first, second, and third when Big Ten players are taken. At the top of the list is Jalen Hood Shafino of Indiana. This guy just showed too many flashes of greatness, especially later in the season when he got comfortable with things to be ignored. Uh, outstanding shooter at times needs to be a little bit more consistent, but I think he's a really good shooter. Some people cited shooting as a struggle for him. I don't know where that comes from. But this is the guy who in some drafts was listed as the number 10 overall pick. But others fall all the way to the end of the first round. You'll see the same thing with a guy like a Bryce Sensible. People have him as a lottery pick in some mock drafts. People have him being taken in the second round in other mock drafts. It really is a really, really wide range of Big Ten players being put all over the place in these mocks. And part of that's because the NBA lottery hasn't happened yet. So we don't know who is going to be picking where. But I don't see it changing all that much once we actually have the teams in the slots. Because there is a lot of variation in the talent in the Big Ten this season, and in what you're potentially getting in a Big Ten prospect. It's not nearly as clear-cut as it is in some years, but let's move on and talk more. Uh, this guy in Jalen Huchifino, again, really good shooter, really good scorer, somebody who you can run an offense around, I think, if he develops into that kind of an offensive player. He's, in my opinion, the top Big Ten prospect in this NBA draft. Next guy is Bryce Sensabaugh. Uh, he's a shooter, so he'll be able to get a shot in the league to become like a 3 and D kind of guy. He's obviously shown other talents as well, too. He's been a multi-level scorer for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was a bit of a surprise for this Buckeyes team in coming out and becoming one of the best freshmen in all of the Big Ten. And because of that, I believe that he will be able to get himself into the first round for sure. I don't think he falls into the second by any means. The number three player on my list of Big Ten prospects, we've got uh, Jalen Huchifino, Bryce Sensabaugh, and then I have two Michigan Wolverines here. And starting with not Jed Howard, but I like Kobe Bufkin 
because I like what people have done on the floor. Uh, Jet Howard is potentially going to be a first-round pick because he's got the athleticism, he's got the size, he's obviously got the pedigree and resume being the son of Jawan Howard, so you know that there's the discipline there and the ability to know what it takes to be able to make it at the next level. But Kobe Bufkin was a guy who burst out onto the scene for Michigan, was one of the best players on that team, an all-Big Ten selection. He's going to be a really, really good player, in my opinion, going forward. Bufkin, a sophomore, but someone who's younger than a lot of the freshmen. He's younger than Jet Howard. He's younger than Jalen Hood-Shafino. So there's not the age problem that you have there. And he's another shooter. Somebody who's going to be able to get that shot to be a perimeter guy in a league that's turning more and more into a perimeter kind of league. Next guy is Jet Howard. This guy who is more about, as I mentioned, the kind of prototype that he is and what he could potentially grow into more so than what he showed us on the floor at Michigan. Don't get me wrong. There were the flashes of really, really good stuff from Jet Howard. That's why he's going to get picked in the first round potentially in this draft. But if you ask me, it wasn't the kind of consistency I was looking for. And I mean, obviously, we know how Michigan's season went. There was definitely room to be a little bit better for him, for Bufkin, for everybody on that team, for Hunter Dickinson, too. But in Jet Howard, you get somebody who I believe NBA teams see as potentially a little bit more as a higher floor kind of player. But I don't know how that necessarily goes into draft stock, depending on what your team is looking for. Next player on my list is Chris Murray. This guy is Keegan Murray Light. Uh, the age is going to go against him. I would have had him higher on this list if he was a younger player. But he is Keegan Murray Light. He is his big brother, just a little bit toned down. He can do a little bit of everything. Plays good defense, a good rim defender, can shoot some, can score at multiple levels, can attack the basket. And he has the tools to, if he takes two, three of those things, makes him really, really good, he'll be a really, really good NBA player. But again, he's older. There isn't a kind of defined skill that you're looking at and you're like, oh, that's why we're going to go after this guy. But he's got a little bit of everything. And Keegan Murray, in my opinion, played plenty good enough to be able to look at his brother and say, yeah, maybe we should uh, take a shot on this guy too if you're an NBA team. Finally, Trace Jackson Davis. It's just, I mentioned this last year when Trace Jackson Davis was deciding whether or not to come back, that pretty much no matter what he does, stay or go, his draft stock doesn't really change because of just the player that he is. He is, in my opinion, someone who can play in the NBA. However, just the, the combination of what he's able to do doesn't necessarily fit into today's game, say, as much as a Kobe Bufkin, a Jet Howard, uh, a Bryce Sensabaugh kind of guy. I mean, we knew this. We always knew this about uh, Trace Jackson Davis and when he would go to the NBA, but I'm surprised to not see him being higher picked on some of these draft boards. Uh, very few have him creeping into the end of the first round. A lot of people have him in that second round firmly. Uh, I understand. I just think that what he did this season is something that should give him a little more respect. I said last year that his draft stock won't change, even if he comes back and plays great again, but he exceeded the expectations, and I think he proved an ability to really be somebody who you should give a shot on. And I'm not seeing that correlation in what he's been projected to do in these drafts. As a whole, though, I think that the reason why we're seeing so much variation in different picks around the Big Ten is for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think the Big Ten is terribly deep this year. And two, I don't really think the NBA draft as a whole is terribly deep this year. 
So you have the guys at the top who are going to be going at the top. I mean, obviously, we don't need to mention more about Victor Wembanyama. He's going to be the number one pick. And then there's some debate as to where the top five stacks out. But outside of those top, top guys, I'm seeing kind of a big drop-off in my eyes. And I'm seeing Big Ten players be in the middle of a pack that I think a lot of NBA scouts see as a whole lot of guys kind of around the same level. I think there's a big drop-off after those first however many prospects you consider to be the top tier into what is a much less exciting draft class after you get through those first few names. I believe there's a chance to make some really good NBA basketball players here. There will be really good NBA basketball players picked in the middle end of this first round and in the second. We know that already. But it's just, I think, right now with this class and how everybody stands at the moment, a little bit harder to tell who those people are, and there are less clear picks here as to guys who we believe will have a safer chance of being consistent NBA producers. I don't know if the Big Ten has any, really. I mean, again, Jalen Chafino is at the top of my list. If you ask me, he has the potential to be a lottery pick, but I could easily see and understand and be able to go through my head and work out the scenario where he doesn't really do much. So we'll see what happens. But as things stand right now, I'm of the opinion that there could be five Big Ten players taken in the first round. There could be one or two. That's just the way that this draft class is stacking up, at least the way I see it right now. Let's finish things up by going over Big Ten news from over the weekend. Lacrosse happened. Big Ten lacrosse tournaments for the men's and women's teams occurred over the weekend in the Big Ten. Michigan has won the Big Ten men's lacrosse title. That's the first ever for the Wolverines. They beat the three-seed Maryland 14-5, win their first Big Ten tournament title, and become the first four-seed in that tournament to take home the trophy. Michigan joins three other men's teams to make the men's lacrosse NCAA tournament. Johns Hopkins, Maryland, and Penn State all join the Wolverines in the field. In the women's side, Northwestern has a 14-9 victory over Ohio State to take the women's lacrosse championship. That's the third title in four years for the Wildcats, who proved to be impressive. They have the exact same teams, actually, plus Northwestern in the field for the women's lacrosse tournament. Johns Hopkins, Maryland, Michigan, Penn State, and the Wildcats of Northwestern, the five teams from the Big Ten, who will represent in that tourney. Uh, the Big Ten softball tournament bracket is out 12 teams. I don't know why I put up those fingers if you're watching on YouTube. I put up four fingers for some reason. I had 12 teams making through. Four teams get buys. Maybe that's what I was thinking, just getting ahead of myself. Uh, top four seeds who will get those buys are uh, Northwestern, Indiana, Minnesota, and Nebraska in that order, one through four. Finally, Ohio State and Michigan's men's tennis teams have moved on to the NCAA Super Regionals. Super Regionals mean there's 16 teams left, basically the Sweet 16. We'll see if both of those teams can continue their runs here this week. That'll do it here for Locked On Big Ten today. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up next time, we're going to get more into all of the news that you need from around the Big Ten. So make sure that you're an everydayer and listening in here first thing on Locked On Big Ten to stay up to date on all the news. Until then, be sure to follow along on the show at Locked On Big Ten. On Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, it's 1-0 when you're typing it out, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports, here on Twitter with Locked On.